Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew3 Project Podcast. We're doing another Google Hangout. And we're blessed today to have Pastor John Faison. Welcome, Pastor Faison. Good afternoon. How are you? Thank you for the wonderful invitation. I appreciate I'm this. I'm doing good. Um, for, our, um, for our viewers who don't know much about you, could you give them uh, a little introduction? Sure. Uh, I am blessed, um, favored, I would argue, <laughs> uh, to <laughs> pastor some of the greatest people in the world uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, at a church called Watson Grove uh, Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're affectionately known as the Grove uh, for short, and I've been there uh, since March of 2012. Um, it'll be five years next year. Uh, great group of folks, great group of people uh, in the heart of South Nashville, a place called Edge Hill. Uh, the church is about 127 years old, and um, we worship with about five generations every every week. Uh, just 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 great people, great folks. Um, I went undergrad to Virginia State University, Petersburg, Virginia, Um, born and raised in Virginia. Um, So uh, following Virginia State University, I got commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Army. So I served as an officer in the Army for about eight years, five years active and three reserve. Okay. Um, Did the time and did time as an officer uh, following undergrad. And then uh, around 2000, boy, 2007, December 2007, resigned my commission to uh, really going to full-time ministry and went back to Petersburg uh, and served there for four years as a pastor of youth and young adults at okay. a church called Good Shepherd Baptist Church there in Petersburg. And uh, did that while going to seminary at Regent University in, uh, in Virginia Beach. And uh, 2000, served there for four years. In 2012, I uh, got called to uh, watch and grow. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and uh, one of the... Um the things we're going to talk about today. Well, the thing, the topic we're going to talk about today is um, sexuality in the black church. Mm-hmm. And um, you haven't mentioned it yet, but you also serve as the um, national ambassador for the NAACP. How did that come about? Uh, uh, actually it came about through, came about through uh, or my role came about through uh, actually through, through pastoring. Um, when I arrived at, at uh, Watch and Grove, uh, 2012, um, began to notice just some issues um, that were happening in our church uh, that uh, the church, especially the black church, wasn't talking about. And it wasn't just it's not just watching Grove. It's in, it's in every every uh, predominantly African-American church or every church, period. There are some just issues that you see, things that you see in counseling, things that you witness uh, through interactions or hearing about. Uh, through praying for people and ministering to people. Uh, but they're issues that the church really doesn't bring up, doesn't talk about. Um, and HIV and AIDS is, is one of them. Uh, so I, I just began to do some research and and pray and uh, ask God to lead me in dealing with some of these issues. And so I believe it was October mm-hmm. of 2012. Uh, I did a sermon series uh, entitled Therapy in the Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It was about dealing with uh, spending a, a week, a, a uh, a month, four Sundays, uh, just wrestling with some topics. You can't go real deep in a sermon, just one sermon, but uh, trying to at least touch on them uh, and provide some some biblical guidance and some spiritual direction uh, for it. And one of those topics uh, was HIV and AIDS. Um, 
of course, it's uh, it's daunting when you first uh, broach the subject of an elephant in the room uh, of that size. Um, mm -hmm. But once we uh, start to talk about it, start to share uh, at the end of service and in subsequent days and weeks, uh, people were just people, the, 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 the response was overwhelming uh, that people have been waiting to hear. Uh, how do you deal with these things? People were, have been wrestling with these. They had people in their family who had HIV, uh, mm -hmm. persons uh, that they knew very, 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 very well that had died of AIDS, and, uh, but but nobody in church was talking about it. Uh, and, and upon doing research, I discovered, I mean, um, Blacks make up 12 to 13 percent of the population in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, yet we make up anywhere from 43. Those are the numbers in 2012. I think the latest number is about 46 percent of new HIV uh, infections. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a disproportionate impact. Mm -hmm. And the issue is, it's not just the disease. <clears throat> Excuse me. Black people are not having sex more than anybody else. Uh, that's, 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 that's not the reason. The reason is what we call social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. And uh, those social determinants make uh, HIV a ravaging effect, give HIV a ravaging effect in the African-American community. Um, mass incarceration, uh, homelessness, uh, concentrated pockets of poverty, you know, public housing and uh, not ac no access to health care, uh, stigma, all these different determinants of health exacerbate the effect of HIV and AIDS in the African-American community. And so, yeah, it's uh, it became kind of a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. um, I also had a family member who died of HIV mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know until years later that they had died of HIV because uh, family, you know, didn't really talk about it, didn't really mention it. You know, um, I've 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 buried people, uh, done done eulogies for people who the family said they had uh, pneumonia, right? Or, or uh, the family said they had cancer. No, they died of they died of AIDS. Mm -hmm. But the stigma is so great that nobody wanted to talk about it or even have it mentioned and associated with their family. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons the stigma is so great is because this idea is HIV and AIDS is only a, uh, a disease linked with uh, homosexuality. Absolutely. Um, and that's still a, a big stigma in the African-American community um, with with homosexuality. But, you know, there's a lot of people who are heterosexual with HIV. And so, you know, that's some a stigma we have to break in our communities. Very much so. It is not a gay disease. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've heard I've heard some of uh, some of our evangelical um, uh, brothers and sisters go to the extreme with this to say it's a gay disease. It is a punishment from God for persons who live uh, a homosexual lifestyle. Um, that's just that's simply not true. It's simply not true. What, what, what do you say? What do you say to the young lady then who contracted HIV uh, from her husband? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, what do you what do you say to the child uh, that is born with HIV? Uh, because bef before uh, medical advancements, you could get it from if your mother was infected, uh, there was a very, very good chance that the baby would get it. Now, there, there are uh, different kinds of procedures and uh, medical advancements that make that much, much uh, that risk much, much smaller. Mm -hmm. uh, however, you can still get it from breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. uh, if a baby's breast is being breastfed by an infected mother, uh, um, blood, it's blood to blood contact and, uh, that person, that baby can be infected. So, so, so how do you, how do you, how, how do you, how do you take that, that, 
uh, gay man's disease approach and apply it to practical examples wherein uh, a person w- had done nothing wrong, person had had made no, uh, it's a baby. Mm-hmm. That person is born with HIV. That's that's just, mm-hmm. it's not a fair assessment. It's not a fair uh, statement. And it's, it's downright hurtful for those persons who are infected by it and affected by it. Mm-hmm. How, how do you recommend churches address this issue? Um, because a lot of churches, uh, a lot of pastors are apprehensive about addressing the issue, um, uh, uh, apprehensive about even talking about um, sex or what people would say safe sex in the church space right. um, because it's people feel like it's giving an okay to some to uh, protection is giving an okay to somebody to do a particular behavior um, and I've I've heard of some churches who do have HIV screenings um, before their young adult service mm-hmm. um, just as a aid to people who they know that are active. I mean, we believe as the church that sex is reserved for marriage, but we know that people in the church are having it. So um, practically, (laughs) (laughs) where's the balance in that? Oh, I would would say, I would say this to any pastor who's wrestling with this. Whatever's in your city is in your church. Mm-hmm. If there's mental health issues in your city, there are mental health issues in your church. There are drug dealers in your city, there are drug dealers in your church. If there are people having sex in your city, if there are people who are HIV positive in your city, they're, they're, they're in your church. Um, so so this, this, this idea that we can hide from issues because we don't know how to address them, I think is dangerous. <clears throat> uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's damaging to our our, our Christian witness mm-hmm. uh, that we that we say God has an answer for our eternal salvation, but God has nothing to say about issues that we deal with every day. I think that's unhealthy. <laughs> that's that's a that's a that's a terrible theology to practice and, and to try to live. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, theology ought to be practical at the end of the day, uh, and so we've got to be concerned about um, the whole person, not mm-hmm. just not just their soul, but also their lives. Uh, and 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 so we've got to talk about what they're dealing with. And uh, there are those who 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 love to go at our uh, at our youth and at our young adults when it comes to this, because it seems that sex is so uh, prominent uh, in media and in other portrayals of youth and young adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I work in I work in this industry, in this area uh, uh, with the NAACP and with health professionals. And you will be shocked and amazed. And some of the stuff that happens or some of the groups that you would never think uh, this affects when it really affects them. Um, I have a friend of mine. Her name is Reverend Karan Sadler. She might be watching today. Hey, hey, Reverend Karan. Uh, <laughs> she works with the, she works as a project manager with the NAACP Health Division. Uh, she mm-hmm. tells a story about um, going to a nursing home. Are going to a nursing home to talk about HIV and AIDS, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't hear too much of what she had to say. They were falling asleep in the in the chair and, and all kinds <laughs> of stuff, right? Uh, but then she pulled out a box of condoms and said, mm-hmm. "I'm going to leave this here, uh, just you know, just in case anybody needs them." When I tell you, they almost ran her over to wow. get those condoms in the nursing wow. home, right? <laughs> so, so, so my my point is, when you think people aren't, they are. 
mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Viagra and Cialis, you know, these other uh, uh, kind of medications and pills have kind of changed the game. Uh, mm-hmm. So so y'all think grandma's going to bed early just because the lights are out. Uh, she might not be asleep. <laughs> she, she and Mr. Willard, she and Mr. yeah, she and Mr. Willard hooked up at the home, and and you know, hey, uh, these things are happening. So, uh, and 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 the statistics bear it out that the highest now, the highest uh, or the or the greatest increase we've seen in AIDS cases is in seniors, wow. fifty-five and older. Wow. Because people are having sex and, you know, stop, <laughs> stop hiding under the covers and acting like it's not happening. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we, we preach abstinence, but the saints ain't listening. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't listen. Shoot. I had a, <laughs> we, 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 we were, we were on the way to having our first child. Shoot. My first, my first son was born in, in 99. I was 19. Now I got married at 18, but she was pregnant when she walked down the aisle. You got to stop lying and <laughs> stop acting like these things are not occurring. Uh, mm-hmm. It's happening. It's happening. Mm-hmm. So um, I would tell any pastor, go where your people are. They're wrestling with this stuff. Um, and the good, the, the good news about HIV and AIDS, uh, advocacy, activism, and even education is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a health professional. That's not my calling. That's not my gift. Uh, it's not my training. Um, but I do have, a, I do have compassion for people. Um, mm-hmm. So that is enough. And I can get connected with people who have the expertise. There, there are community health professionals. There are uh, HIV and AIDS counselors. There are, there are persons in your city who are dying to get connected to your church. They would mm-hmm. love to get connected to your church to do what they are trained to do. Mm-hmm. People don't naturally get connected to them. But as a church, if you go to them, now you've got a captive audience. They'll they'll provide the expertise. Uh, they'll do the testing for you. We do testing at least once every year in our church. Uh, my wife and I get tested before the congregation. Um, we believe in going first uh, to make it easier, to break some of the stigma uh, uh, and, and, and encouraging others to do the same. Uh, if you're sexually active, you want to get tested at least once a year. Uh, some would even say once every six months. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you want to, you want to make sure you do that. Uh, black people die quicker or die in, in a greater, um, in a greater, greater proportion because we find out late. Mm-hmm. And by the time we find out it's too late, HIV has progressed in the AIDS and now, mm-hmm. you know, now we're stuck. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's very helpful. Cause you know, how you said this, the saints are listen aren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the saints are listening in a lot of areas. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's it's really funny. I was just telling somebody this the other day. It seems like the church is having an issue with multitasking. Yeah. Uh, we focus all our energy on one issue, and then we let other issues go by the side. This is one of the issues that we don't address. Um, so all of our attention now is focused on Black Lives Matter, but then we'll focus all our attention on something else uh, whatever the latest hashtag is. And you have to realize that people are dealing with more than just one issue in your church and you have to be diverse in your outreach ministries. Um, yes. And so many, many churches seem to only have um, are socially aware when it becomes a hashtag. Um, they're not leading in culture. They're kind of following behind what's the trending topic. 
Um, and so this is an issue that we must put to the forefront. And I applaud the work you're doing with the NAACP. And even, you know, that example of you and your wife being tested first before the people, I'm sure it helps so many people in your congregation um, to uh, get tested as well. So I definitely applaud the work you're doing. I was watching a documentary uh, that you are a part in. I'm not, I didn't watch the whole thing because I don't even think it's out yet, but the trailer to it um, called In the House, is that is that it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. About sexuality in the black church. Right. And, uh, the trailer was was very interesting to me. Uh, but you said something that many people that I talk to when I talk to uh, lost people or people that grow, grew up in the black church, you uh, you said um, the person, our, our choir director will be homosexual. The pastor will preach against homosexuality, but then never address the choir director. Um, and that's that's the realest. I mean, that's keeping it as real as possible because that's the critique so many people uh, bring to the black church. We never address the people that we talk uh, like in the direction of people, but we never talk to them. Um, and I think that's the difference between uh, being somebody that's a coward and somebody that's courageous. If you actually believe something, then address the people that you feel uh, need to hear it. And maybe not address them from the pulpit, but maybe address them in private on the sign and have an actual conversation. Um, how Do you think the Black church, since you said that, do you think we're getting better or worse um, in your estimation? Um, that's, that statement was regarding how we in the Black church not necessarily go at persons uh, who are wrestling with you know, same gender attraction or uh, who have who have made it, you know, have kind of made up their mind and, and decided that this is who they are. Uh, mm-hmm. The statement was really about the churches. Almost pimping. Mm-hmm. Of people who 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 live a homosexual lifestyle, same same gender loving lifestyle, um, because we have a tendency to do that. Um, mm-hmm. The black church historically has been very utilitarian. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a problem with, with gay people unless they're gifted. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're gifted, we'll overlook it. It's 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 all good because I need my choir to, to 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 rock like it. You know, I need I need my musician. I need I need this, that, or the other. Uh, utilitarian approach, right? I, I I need certain things to work in my church for for us to operate the way we want to operate. So, if you're gifted, then you know it's it's all right. Uh, but if not. You know, if you can't, if you can't <laughs> sing, if you can't direct, if you can't play, then we want to go at, you know, we want to go at some, it's, 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 it's hypocrisy. It's really what it is uh, uh, at its root. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to, I, I got to be honest. I have, I'm still evolving in my theology. I think all of mm-hmm. us are. Um, I, I don't believe some of the things I used to believe five and 10 years ago uh, regarding, regarding same gender loving people. Here's why. Um, because I only had one context, right? My, my, mm-hmm. my one context was um, a person has chosen, you know, this lifestyle and, you know, mm-hmm. they made that decision. Uh, they know it's against God's will. And that's what they did. Boom. It's over. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a wrap. <laughs> uh, pastoring experience, uh, meeting some 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 authentic Christians who are 
same gender loving people. Um, I've evolved a bit. I'm still evolving. Um, mm-hmm. And and here's 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 to the place here's the place where I've involved I've evolved to. Um, there are three approaches that that I take. Uh, the first one is when it comes to same gender loving folk, I'm going to be uh, compassionate. I'm going to be compassionate because in talking to, meeting with, having um, dialogue with persons, um, I've discovered they've dealt with so much judgment, uh, especially from the church. Mm-hmm. They almost they almost turn off their ears when it comes to Christians and Christian, you know, Christian conversation about around this subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've also discovered through study of scripture, whenever God, whenever Christ dealt with somebody, he never dealt with issues first. Mm-hmm. He dealt with people. It was a, it was a compassionate approach. So uh, compassion is needed uh, for same gender loving folk because there's so much pain that's associated with this community. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, my experience, my experience is with people uh, who, who identify as homosexual, LGBTQ, what, you know, there's several categories, but any of those categories, persons who identify with those, uh, I, there's usually three, three manifestations of that for me, three or three reasons why uh, they, 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 they respond this way. First one is there are people who authentically think, believe, passionate about the fact that they were born with the, these desires. Mm-hmm. That's where they stand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, but they grew, in a society, grew up in a society that does not welcome it. Now it's, it's changing a bit, but um, there's still stigma attached to it. So if you're born with these desires, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You end up spending your life, whole entire life trying to be something you don't know how to be. Mm-hmm. If that's what, you know, if that's where you sit in your, in your understanding. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen four-year-olds, five-year-olds, three-year-olds, boys, but they carry themselves, act, respond, meet people, play with feminine, you know, what we would call feminine, you know, toys and dolls and mm-hmm. They're in an, now we, we, we've got all kinds of reasons why we say they do that. They don't have a father in the home, right? They, they don't have this, they don't have that. Well, I've, I've seen a, a male father, I've seen, a, I've seen a mother all in the home, you know, this, 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 this environment that we say creates this, uh, this phenomenon is not present. They, they have everything they're supposed to have. And this child grows up and understands themselves to be, to be gay. Right. So you got you got the group that, that that feels like they're born with these desires. Then you got the second group who they experimented. <laughs> they tried something um, and they liked it. Right. So they've gotten used to this lifestyle. Well, when, when you live a lifestyle, you also create sociology around the lifestyle. You create friends, you create circle, you create community and connection around that. Um, so they've gotten used to it. Now they've been branded by society. Right. But they found connection in that community. Now, what happens if one day they change their minds and say, nah, I, I, want, I want to do something else? Because they chose, right? That's what we say, they chose. And they change their minds. Well, if they leave, they also leave their connections. They leave their friendships. They leave their circles. They leave their sociology. And if they do leave and, you know, for lack of a better word, come back, right? <laughs> they come back. Well, the people they come back to will never view them the same way either. So, 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 so you got that crew, 
right? Born with desires, experimented and liked it. Then the third group is they were wounded early in life, right? Uh, they experienced some kind of transformative trauma, uh, rape, molestation, incest, abuse. Something happened, something early. And, and it trained them to respond with same-sex gender attraction, right? Uh, there, there are even some sisters who were raped early, molested early. And so their protective response is to hate the sex that abused them, mm-hmm. to hate the sex that hurt them. Um, so, so these are, these are kind of the, 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 my experiences. Again, this is this is this ain't science. This ain't this is this is me in a in a qualitative kind of <laughs> kind of uh, kind of encounter. Right. These are the, these are the three kind of people I've encountered. I've run into. Um, now, there's already a lot of trauma that comes with 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 each one of those categories. Now, you add to this personal pain, the shame that comes from having to tell your family I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Right. Then there are families that try to hide the gay members in that family. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then you got bullying in school that takes place if you're a student. You know, mm-hmm. and you got societal classifications. Right. Then, if that's not bad enough, God forbid, you go to church <laughs> and you get demonized at church. So, so, so that there's there's this trauma and there's this pain. There's this there's this uncertainty of love and appreciation for me as a person. I'm not talking about you know aside from sexuality. Mm-hmm. Just as a person, people aren't valued. Mm-hmm. Um, so hearing those stories. You know, I've 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 evolved to become mm-hmm. much 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 more compassionate mm-hmm. uh, in my in my approach and in my encounters and my understanding of same sex gender folk. I, I have been one of the most transformative experiences I've ever had. I was in the room when a young lady that I know was a lesbian that she <laughs> told me was a lesbian uh, passed away. I was in the room when they took her off of the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, faithful lady in our church, a lover of God, a amazing person. I know she was saved. There's no question about it. For me, sexuality is not a question of salvation. I still believe Romans 10, 9 overcomes all of that. Um, but this, this young lady, she was a lesbian and she, she passed away. Um, as she, as she took her last breaths, we sang hymns and cried in the room. You can't tell me that woman did not go to heaven. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, it was one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life. And I've been a lot of spiritual experiences, right? <laughs> but it was, it was the weightiest spiritual experience I may have ever had. Mm-hmm. Now, all of that went against everything I've been taught through my evangelical background, right? <laughs> all of that went through, went, went against all the stuff I've been taught in scriptures, Sunday school, and all that. Uh, it went against that. Mm-hmm. But in that room, man, God was with us. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, now, I, again, I'm evolving theologically. I think, I think we have to leave room for that to happen in our, in our, in our, in our theology. Um, I still believe that marriage, uh, 
I'm I'm with you. Sexual activity of any side of any kind outside of marriage, husband and wife is sin. I believe that. I believe marriage was instituted and ordained by God as an exclusive covenant between one man and one woman. I believe that. <laughs> I do. But I also have to be clear about the places in scripture where this is unclear. <laughs> because, you know, us evangelicals, right? The Bible say. <laughs> right? The Bible say. Well, well, let's talk about the Bible for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, when it comes to scripture, you, you, you can't take parts of a passage and leave others out. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't I don't get to pick and choose. I got I got to pull it for, for what's there. So Leviticus 18 and 22. Mm-hmm. Thou shall not lie with a man as with another woman, as with mm-hmm. a woman. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an abomination to God. Mm-hmm. Well. Leviticus is a code. So it's a code of laws. It's not just one. It's a code. Mm-hmm. It's a group. So if you're going to take one, you got to take the whole group. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Leviticus 19, I think Leviticus 18 and 19 says uh, that if a man has sex with a woman on her menstrual cycle. It's an abomination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I done that. I'm sorry. Um, it also says Leviticus 11 that hoofed animals are unclean and are an abomination unto God. Mm-hmm. All right? Well, go to any black church picnic. <laughs> you're going to find abomination everywhere, right? Ribs. I mean, shoot. You go down deep south, around where y'all from, you know, in Jacksonville, <laughs> you, you, you might find pig's feet. So not only are we eating hoofed animals, we're eating the hoofs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that if, if you're going to take one, you got to take it all. Let's also talk about how in scripture, uh, women, particularly in Old Testament, New Testament too, but especially Old Testament passages, were not equals. They were property. Mm-hmm. Right? So 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 in the Old Testament, men had multiple wives. Mm-hmm. And it was considered a blessing. Mm-hmm. Right? So 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 even rape, molestation, and incest is considered okay. Because it's against it's against property. It's not against a person. Mm-hmm. So all, all all these all these little nuances in scripture that we you know we we try to try to move away from. Let let's let's let's. How about you know if, if homosexuality is so terrible, right? Such an abomination. Why does Jesus never mention it? Mm-hmm. He never talks about it. Matter of fact, he talks more about social sins, how we use money in the kingdom, and how we you know mismanage. Uh, those persons are, who are marginalized more so than he talks about sexual sin. And mm-hmm. we go to Paul, right? Paul talks about sexual immorality. We know the Greek term pornea. Well, that, mm-hmm. that term uh, means rape, incest, molestation, and abuse. We try to switch that and turn that to homosexuality, but that's not what the text says. So if we're going to be honest about what we believe, we also got to be honest about where in Scripture there are things that are unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we also got to be honest about how our refusal to talk about sex, as you said before, uh, talk about sex in church, period, mm-hmm. has has hurt us. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't talk about it. You got unhappy marriages. You got unhealthy sexual activity. You got teenage pregnancy. You got HIV, AIDS and STD levels super high. Why? Because mm-hmm. we forced people to get their information elsewhere. Mm-hmm. 
because we won't talk about it. We won't <laughs> offer it. We won't connect with those professionals and those persons, again, who have the expertise to have the dialogue and to get folk information. We just say the Bible say. Mm-hmm. And we leave it there. Yeah, I, I think one of the things we did early on at the Jude 3 Project, we had a series called um, Scandal, How to Get Away with Sexuality, planned on the two Shonda Rhimes show. Oh. Um, <laughs> and we brought in uh, a biologist and um, two scholars that kind of deal with this, epi- deal with this and a pastor in uh, the UK uh, that actually has same gender attraction mm-hmm. and he wrote a book called is god anti-gay um it's a very it's a 90 page book um but it's a, it's a very excellent read um but in that we addressed uh those passages with the old testament passages in the new testament how um leviticus says one thing and that would be i would never use that uh because you have to use you know what god what Paul said or the the sins that were mentioned in the uh, New Testament and how you translate what we do from the Old Testament to the new one. Um, I struggle with how we use that, what Jesus didn't mention, because if we build a, I, I always tell people if we build a theology about what Jesus, by what Jesus didn't mention, we'll have a very skewed theology because I, I don't think he mentioned rape either. So on that same premise, we would have trouble um, with that. It's a very sticky topic. Um, I think we might disagree with how we would translate the old and the new, old into the new. It's kind of something that I think the church hasn't wrestled with enough. Um, Mm -hmm. Which parts of the old do we translate to the new? Um, But I do, I've heard the one about what Jesus didn't mention and I struggle with that one because he didn't mention a lot of things that we would say this is clearly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and as and build a the we would have a, a hard time building a theology based on that. Agree. That's that's why. That's why I, I I wish I could remember who 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 I heard say it, but it makes so much sense. I want to say it was, <sighs> boy, um, it may have been Samuel Dewey Proctor. Uh, he, he, I, I don't want to credit, I don't want to attribute it to him and I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure he said it, but, uh, the statement is that where theology ends, ethics begins. Mm-hmm. The idea is if I don't have chapter and verse, right. If I don't have, um, actual scriptural, uh, evidence speaking to, for, against, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, then I have to move to ethics. If I don't have scripture on it, I got to move to ethics. And ethics is, in light of being a Christian, I got to practice Christian Christian ethics, which of course mm-hmm. is Christ. So Christ then becomes my my model. So when I don't have theology for it, I don't have scripture for it. I go to what did Christ do, or what would Christ do in in this issue, in this environment, dealing with this uh, kind of concern. Dealing with this question, what would Christ do? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, the Christian the Christian ethic always starts and ends with love. Mm-hmm. Every time, every time, um, um, whether I agree with the person or not, whether they fit my description of what I believe, how we ought to behave, how we ought to think, how we ought to act, irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I still got to love that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And too often when it comes to this issue, um, we have we have subtracted love from the equation. Mm-hmm. I would um, definitely agree. When we don't understand something, we attack it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when 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 another side of an issue is exposed to us that we've never been exposed to, um, we attack the person. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or. Or we use power dynamics to kind of shift it and go another way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think love is always, always the answer. Love is mm-hmm. always the way you start. Uh, I'm not responsible for, for sending anybody anywhere. That ain't my thing. Um, mm-hmm. I ought to love people where they are. And, and if change is going to happen, um, God has to do it. The mm-hmm. Holy Spirit has to be involved. I couldn't even change me. So how in the world? Am I going to change somebody else? Right. The Holy Spirit had to do a work of transformation in me, and it's still happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I, I, I got to give that same grace and that same room yeah. to other folk too. Yeah, and I think that's so crucial that we we lead with love. And so many times when we see a same gender loving couple come in the church, we automatically feel that we need to address that person yeah. about that issue. Uh, when in fact you wouldn't address, there are some people that are shacking in your church that you ain't saying nothing to. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't saying nothing to. (laughs) Um, But you haven't said anything to them, but because that's so, such a stigma in your mind, you feel like you have to attack them. And that's definitely wrong because that's not treating them as a person. And if you want, want to be treated as a person, and treat someone else as a person. And I think that's what we struggle uh, to do in the body of Christ. Um, Agreed. So, uh, what would be your last words you want to leave with us, Pastor Faison? Oh, man. It's time to go over Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I oh, would... I, I'm cutting you off early. I thought... No, we... no, 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 no. You're fine. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Uh, you 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 are you are the host. You are the, you are you are the you are the star. Of this I'm just I'm just you know I'm just a guest. Um, final words, man. I would I I think where we just left off. I I, I think um, leading with love the way is, is the way you put it. Um, it's 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 the only thing that we that we can control. You can't control how you meet people. You can't control how you encounter them. Um, you can't control the baggage that they bring with them when they, when you encounter them. You can't control the, much of the baggage that you bring when you encounter them as well. Um, but what we do have the choice to do is to love people where they are and and be OK with that being enough. Mm-hmm. You know, lose this desire uh, in, in not just in the black church, but in church, period, to fix people. Mm-hmm. This desire to, to to get people together to, to, to you know, we. <laughs> We're terrible with that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Uh, as if we've earned the right to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I just. I, I. I think. I think love sets the conditions for spirit-led transformation to to occur. Mm-hmm. Amen. Would you uh, recommend? I know you talked about uh, when you were talking about the different ways you've been um, wrestling with interpretation would you recommend any books that you've been reading sure uh, sure sure uh I, I i always like to recommend books that push me mm-hmm. um I, I i don't i don't need a book 
to reaffirm what I already believe. I think that's, that is, for me, that's gluttonous reading. <laughs> um, I know what I believe. <laughs> I want to read things that challenge me. I want to read things that, that show me perspectives and sides I've never seen. And then, then to go through the wrestling. It's in the wrestling that, you know, <laughs> to, 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 <laughs> to take the, the Jacobian uh, uh, example, it's in the wrestling that you get your blessing. Right. It's it's in the it's in the struggle. Mm -hmm. um, it's in the conversation between the text and and your, your heart and God that you that you mm -hmm. really that you really uh, you really discover some things and see things that fresh and new. Um, some things may challenge you and you may reject completely because you because your spirit just like, man, that, no, that's that's a that's a reach, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but it but at least now um, you, you know where you stand. Mm -hmm. And you're able to at least refute, rebut, or at least be familiar with different arguments. Yeah. So, so I'll i give you Kelly Brown Douglas, um, sexuality in the Black Church. Uh, I give you In Fleshing Freedom by M. I think it's M. Sean Copeland. Um, boy, I just had another one, and it slipped my mind. I just lost it. Wow. Yeah, go. On. Well, those two uh, <laughs> are good. Are, are I think good wrestling material. Okay, no. and uh, also if you're listening, uh, Preston Sprinkle. If our listeners are listening to uh, one other ones, Preston Sprinkle wrote uh, just wrote a great book on this issue, and uh, I can't think of the name. And uh, the uh, the other one I mentioned is Got Anti Gay. Uh, by the pastor. I can't even remember his name either. It's, <laughs> it's escaping me right now, but I know it's got it's like it. But thank you so much, Pastor Faison. This has been a blessing. And I I hope that um, the, the leaders that are listening um, will be encouraged, especially uh, to get AIDS and HIV testing in their churches, because um, we definitely need it in our communities. So salute again to the work that you're doing. Sure. Thank you again for, for the time. I, I always, always enjoy the conversations uh, and I hope others were blessed by it and uh, just wrestle, man, wrestle, wrestle with the text, wrestle with God. And uh, there's a, there's a blessing in it. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. You can catch all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on iTunes by searching Jude 3 Project. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jude 3 Project, on Instagram at Jude 3 Project, and on Facebook at facebook.com. Um, backslash Jude 3 project and remember you can donate on our site so if this um, this podcast and this ministry is a blessing to you help support us financially um, by going on our website at Jude3project.com and hitting the donate tab um, and donating consider donating to us thank you so much remember at the Jude 3 project we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it